Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Today is Monday, August 19th, 2019. On this day in 1970, John Norman Collins was convicted of the murder of 18-year-old Karen Sue Bynaman. An outsider would have assumed Collins, called handsome by the newspapers, was Karen's boyfriend, that it was a crime of passion. However, despite being tried for only one murder, Collins was guilty of many, many more. Authorities believed he was notorious, that Collins was the Ypsilanti Ripper. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Every day, we tell a timely story from true crime history, then analyze the historical impact of that day's events. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today, we're diving into the conviction of John Norman Collins, one of Michigan's most infamous serial killers. While it was a victory for the justice system, for one sergeant on the case, the conviction came at a personal cost. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Let's go back to Washtenaw County, Michigan, the morning of August 19, 1970, around 9 a.m. At the end of the worst year of Sergeant David Lake's life, he got a phone call. The jury had a verdict court would be in session at 9.30 a.m. David was no stranger to court, but as he dressed and told his wife Sandra the time had come, the thought of sitting in the wide wooden room repulsed him. He wasn't sure which verdict was worse. Either he and his task force would be proven right, but his nephew John would be put behind bars, or John would be declared innocent, and David had put his family through hell for nothing. When John first came under suspicion, David had defended him staunchly. He was just a college kid, a good Catholic boy, former captain of his high school football team. Maybe he'd had a rough start in life, but his sister-in-law did her best. He was majoring in education, for crying out loud. But over the past year, the inklings David tried to ignore had grown to full-blown convictions. No more women had disappeared in the time John Norman Collins was held in custody. 
as much as he hated to admit it, it was more likely than not that his nephew had murdered a woman in David's basement. And he'd used David's status as sergeant to help cover up the murders of several more. David called for Sandra to get in the car. It was a hard day for him, but even harder for his wife. Her sister would be at the courthouse, crying over the son she believed to be innocent. She'd taken out a second mortgage to defend him. There wasn't much to discuss on the ride to the courthouse. They'd both already testified against their nephew. But how couldn't they? Last summer, they'd gone on an innocent vacation, two perfect summer weeks in Madison, Wisconsin and Lake Michigan, while John stayed at their house to watch the German Shepherd. Before they left, Sandra gave David and their boys haircuts in the basement, all part of a normal, happy family life. But when they returned, they found the basement floor repainted and their children's hair clippings missing from the trash. Days later, the tiny hairs were found inside the body of a murder victim, Karen Sue Bynaman. Karen was the latest in a series of uncomfortably similar murders, all young brunettes, all found with clothing tied around their necks, all attributed to the Ypsilanti Ripper. Though the earlier killings had left authorities with no leads, the circumstantial evidence in Karen's 1969 murder pointed directly at John Norman Collins, and the desecration of her corpse matched the six prior victims. Officially, he was only on trial for one crime, but in the court of public opinion and the minds of the police, Collins was on trial for seven murders. David knew the months-long trial was the most painful for Karen Sue's family, but that didn't make it any easier for the Collinses and the Lakes. Sandra and John had been close all his life, and John had always called David his favorite uncle. John played with their elementary school kids all the time. Had played. Today would determine if David's sons would ever see their cousin John again. At Washtenaw County Circuit Court, Judge John Conlin called those present to order. It was just after 9.30 a.m., and the air was still fresh from the prior evening's thunderstorm. David sat in the third row, next to Sandra, who'd brought a rosary. In the front row, her sister, Loretta Collins, had brought a priest. John Norman Collins, dressed like he was expecting news of a prestigious internship instead of time in prison, remained stone-faced at the defendant table. His hair was neat, save a forelock that hung over his blue eyes, evoking Superman. Like his mother, he maintained he was the hero of this story. The jury entered at 9.33 a.m. As Judge Conlin asked for the verdict, David held his breath. It was career or family, but truthfully, no one would win. Seven girls had died, horribly mutilated, the worst crimes he'd seen in his career. Nothing would ever be the same. The foreman spoke, guilty. 
A collective gasp arose. It was a wash of emotions, betrayal, disappointment, shame, sympathy, sadness, horror, all overwhelming the proud twinge of we got him that usually made being an officer so satisfying. Loretta stared into the distance, white-faced and immobile. David's niece, Gail, broke down in tears. John had no reaction whatsoever. Judge Conlin thanked the jury, and the court was dismissed. Ears ringing, David watched Loretta throw herself on John. She wailed for her son's compromised future, ignorant of the Bynuman family, still in the room, whose daughter's future had been stolen. As Loretta cried and caressed her son, John remained stoic. He looked to Sandra, mouthed something, and she grabbed David's arm, suddenly overcome with what she'd done by turning in her nephew. When the marshals put John in handcuffs, Loretta gave David and Sandra a look that could burn down a city. What had they done to her little boy? The right thing. They'd found justice for at least seven women and saved the lives of countless more, but that didn't make it hurt any less. Coming up, we'll talk more about how Sergeant Lake and the Michigan State Police Task Force caught the Ypsilanti Ripper. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com running. New Balance. Run your way. Now back to the story. A few weeks after his August 19th murder conviction, John Norman Collins would be sentenced to life in solitary confinement with hard labor. In reaction, he would speak more than he did the full year prior. Quote, I think they conscientiously tried to give me a fair trial. The jury did not take its task lightly. But I think things were blown out of proportion. The circumstances around this case, I think it was a travesty of justice which took place in this court over the past six or seven weeks. I hope someday that error will be corrected. Second, I never knew a girl by the name of Karen Sue Bynaman. I never held a conversation with Karen Sue Bynaman. I never took her to a wig shop. I never took her to my uncle's home. I did not take the life of Karen Sue Bynaman he would maintain his innocence for decades. But after Colin's sentencing, there would be no more doubt. A short time into his life sentence, authorities would decide it's too expensive to prosecute him for the other murders. Everyone would agree he's guilty, and limited resources are best aimed at criminals who are still at large. Sergeant David Lake would continue his distinguished career with the Michigan State Police, promoting justice, helping others, and remaining an honorable man. 
Between 1967 and 1969, John Norman Collins killed at least seven women. A college student himself, he lured his victims from college campuses, targeting white brunettes. He seemed to reserve a specific hatred for women on their periods, evidenced in his personal life and the profile of his victims. Collins tortured his victims, beating them up, stabbing them, and degrading them with objects and chemicals before strangling them to death. Each victim was found with an article of clothing tied around her neck and her bodily cavities plugged. Collins has a strikingly similar MO to another infamous serial killer, the unknown Scotsman Bible John, who operated in Glasgow at the same time. Both targeted menstruating young women, sexually assaulted them, and strangled them. The bodies were left in a way that displayed the victim's menstruation and with an article of clothing tied around their necks. It's an oddly specific modus operandi, and because Bible John was never caught and John Norman Collins won't talk, we'll never fully understand the motive behind it. And while Bible John is one of the most famous serial killers in Scotland, Collins is the most famous in Michigan, and he seemed to relish the attention his crimes were given. At one crime scene, he left an earring stolen from a previous victim. At another, five lilacs for each of his five victims so far. He regaled co-workers and friends with the gory details, claiming he'd gotten an inside scoop from his uncle, Sergeant David Lake. But while having an uncle on the task force investigating his murders was a shield, it was eventually his undoing. By June 1969, Collins was losing control, killing more frequently. When his aunt and uncle, Sandra and David Lake, asked him to watch their house for a few weeks, he couldn't pass up the opportunity to kill. Driving his motorcycle on July 23, 1969, he picked up Karen Sue Bynaman outside a wig shop in downtown Ypsilanti. She had just finished her freshman year at Eastern Michigan University and accepted a ride home from the handsome stranger. Three days later, Karen's body was found on the side of a main road, horrifically mutilated in the same way as previous victims. But unlike previous victims, Karen's body cavities were filled with hundreds of tiny hairs. When the lakes returned home, they found black paint spots on the floor. Sergeant Lake, thinking like the police officer he was, looked under the fresh paint and found red spots. He called his nephew, who denied ever using paint in the basement. This only furthered Lake's suspicion. Some of the red spots tested as varnish, but a further search found blood, type A, the same as Karen's. While in the basement, police found hair clippings left from the Lake Boys' pre-vacation haircuts, hair clippings that matched those found on Karen. It was enough evidence for police to bring Collins in for questioning and then arrest him. John Norman Collins was only 22, but his graphic killings had already earned the Ypsilanti Ripper a lifetime of infamy.
For more information on John Norman Collins, check out the episodes of ParCast's original show, Serial Killers, where my co-host Greg Polson and I did a deep dive on his crimes and psychology. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Ron Shapiro, with production assistance by Paul Liebeskind, Maggie Admire, and Carly Madden. This episode of Today in True Crime is written by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson.